Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of It Is What It Is, powered by the Riot Report. My name is Josh Klein. I'm the managing editor of said Riot Report. Right across from me, sitting about 90 degrees to my right, is my good friend, Zach Luttrell. He is the ringleader of the Roaring Riot. Say hi, Zach. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, sorry, it's just gonna we are gonna make fun of each other constantly for about thirty minutes. Uh, in fact, Zach was trying his absolute best to not freestyle rap over that dope intro music, and it was the highlight of my day so far. Well, this is like take fifty-seven. It feels like since this is our first episode of this podcast, and I've rapped over the uh, previous fifty-six, so oh, it was hard not to that time. It's been maybe the best rapping i've ever heard it was little yaya at best for sure uh <laughs> welcome to it is what it is we're excited to have you listening all two of you hi mom uh we are trying to take a little bit of a more measured take at the carolina panthers there's a reason why we're releasing this on a tuesday because sunday night monday morning everybody feels their emotions right zach absolutely you usually feel I'm You're, still feeling them a little bit since we were on the West Coast this week. Yeah, well, that's called a hangover. That's not a. That, those are not your emotions. Yeah, same difference. Yeah, that that is a great point. Uh, so we wanted to kind of take it back a little bit, maybe rewatch the game, maybe let our emotions calm down, and take a little bit more of a measured approach to the Carolina Panthers because the reality is. It is what it is. It's already happened. It's two days ago. The things that have happened on Sunday, they're not going to get any better. So all we can do is look at them, try to learn from them, and try to look ahead to next week and see what's going to happen. Instead of trying to do conjecture about, oh, well, we think that this is what should have happened, and oh, I wish they would have thrown a flag. They didn't throw a flag. It is what it is. Cam overthrew Ed Dixon. It is what it is. Christian McCaffrey, he returned punts. It is what it is. Right, Zach? Yeah, I, just, I hope we keep saying that the whole time because that, it is what it is. And uh, we're back here from San Francisco. It's a Tuesday, and let's get into it. Absolutely. So we just got back from San Francisco. We flew on the red eye on Sunday night. Uh, Zach, tell us a little bit, as the ringleader of the Roaring Riot, there was the, the Bay Area takeover, right? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so this was obviously the first game of the season, first trip of the season, and uh, at first I was hesitant to take everybody back into San Francisco because when we were there two years ago, the outcome that we had in the big game, um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to relive that. And I, truthfully, when we pulled into the parking lot, that was really the only time that it hit me where I thought maybe it wasn't a good idea. But we rolled in there. We ended up with close to 200 people all sitting in the same section, and you know, we put some of those pictures out of, of – uh, the way it looked and um you know we had a blast we were loud the entire game i know you said that uh, what, in the third quarter in the press box you could hear some chants yeah we heard the uh the let's the the let's go panthers chant when the panthers are blowing out a team on the road is really it's just a real jerk move to their fans because you know they hear it and everyone hears it shows up on tv and it's just like yeah go go Get on out of yeah, here. Yeah, it reminds me of the Washington game last year. I don't know if you remember that Monday night game, but same scenario. It was one of the, what, two or three good times we had in 2016 <laughs> during a Panthers game, and we were going to win the game. It was it was obvious, and we were so loud. Everybody at home kept tweeting us and texting us, telling us they could hear it. So pretty similar here in the third quarter. Also got some messages that people could see us up in the end zone. Um, not up. We weren't in the upper deck for that. We were in kind of the middle deck that they have set up there. Um, at Levi Stadium, and uh, it was really a good time. 
had some great events. Uh, we had a, a welcoming party the night before on Saturday. Had a good turnout for that, and um, loaded up the buses early Sunday morning, and uh, everything went great. So it was, a, it was a pretty flawless trip, which is always awesome. So when you have that many moving parts, when you got to put a bunch of people into a bus, or more specifically into the bus after the game, that's where um, the stakes can happen. Hello, it's, Carly. It's a lot. Hello, of, Sean. It's a lot of big announcements about thirty minutes after the bu- after the buzzer, the bus is leaving. We yeah. will leave you. But everybody had a great time. Obviously, the W helps. So. Um, that's one thing we say about Denver last year. Probably would have been our best trip ever, uh, but it's not for obvious reasons. Um, but no, this this was great, and it was a great way to kick off the the season. And now we've got uh, two weeks at home before we head back up into uh, to Boston and take on New England, who looks vulnerable. So we'll get to that at a different date. But uh, it was a blast, man. One and zero. Awesome, yeah. Undefeated. You cannot argue with that. Well, let's let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through some some topics that we feel like people are talking about Monday and Tuesday uh, after the game and try to address some of those concerns. And then the reality is is that sometimes those concerns they can't be addressed. All they can do is just say, "Yeah, that's a concern," and then you just kind of move on from that. There's there's nothing that. Uh, that we personally can do, but we can certainly talk about it. The first thing that we're going to talk about. Oh, I've got one. I got the obvious one. Okay. Let's talk about Cam. Oh, number one. Were people going to ask about Cam? Is anybody interested in I Cam I, Newton? I think he uh, pretty much, people just ignore him. No, nobody really talks about him. He's uh, a pretty uh, fashion maven. Uh, yeah. So, like, wh- what are you hearing about Cam? Um, well, Cam looked rusty. Cam missed Ed Dixon, like you said earlier. He did. Um, yeah, well, uh, the, the phrase... It is what it is. He did look rusty. Nobody's going to argue with that. I mean, he was uh, he was bad. He missed Greg Olson. He missed Ed Dixon. That uh, that interception that he threw on that deep ball, he could have gone underneath to Ed Dixon. That was a questionable decision. But you know what? He he did start to kind of trend upward towards the end of the game. Completed his last nine passes, if you don't count the one where he spiked it to stop the clock. Uh that that seems to me like he's going in the right direction. And really what they were treating this game as was kind of like a fifth preseason game. You know, they don't they didn't need Cam to go out there and do 500 yards, run it 20 times. They needed him to go out there and manage the game, which is not really a role that Cam is used to. But against kind of a younger, more inexperienced team, once they were up, you know, uh, was it 13 nothing? There's just no reason to to expose Cam like that. Yeah, it felt like they were going to be able to grind that game out uh, by running the ball. It didn't seem like the 49ers could stop them at all. The defense, after the first two offensive drives by the 49ers, seemed like they really buckled down. Obviously, those fourth down stops were huge. Um, so, yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I feel like against Buffalo and after watching the Saints last night, I feel like we probably have a couple opportunities to really ease Cam into it. So, uh, would you have liked to see him do better? Of course you would. You know, I don't. It's is it time to to raise the panic flag? And no, uh, it's not. Uh, everybody, you know, we'd love to see the Panthers win one hundred to zero every time, but it's just not going to happen. Sometimes the games are going to be closer. Sometimes it is what it is. Cam's going to throw interceptions. Cam's going to fumble. Cam's going to make questionable decisions, forcing it to Kelvin Benjamin. He's been doing it his whole career. He's not going to stop this week because we don't want him to anymore. Uh, so it's it's just I think that Cam is trending on the up on the upward swing, and let's reexamine it maybe in a few more weeks 
And uh, well, I mean, we're let's let's not sugarcoat it. We're going to talk about it next week too. We're going to talk about it the week afterwards. He's Cam Newton, franchise quarterback. Uh, he's going to be a topic of conversation, but there, I don't think there's anything else left to say about him. No, I'm the uh, the the people aren't calling for DA anymore after the preseason. So at least we got them to calm down a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll see if we they bought can some time from those guys. Start some sort of a Brad Kaya chant uh, after Cam throws an interception. Uh, is there anybody else that people care about on the on the on the Panthers? Uh, there's another obvious one. Huh? How about uh, how about Christian McCaffrey? Oh, CMC. Yeah, CMC and Cam Newty. That or, was one of my rhymes, yeah, by the way. That was a uh, my favorite one, <laughs> and uh, I wish that we had recorded it. Um, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. I thought he was kind of as advertised, right? I mean, he's he was a rookie. He they lined him up in the slot. He was on the field a ton. Uh, Why was he on the field so much? Why did they use them so much? That's that's some of the concerns I hear people talking about was the the workload to Christian McCaffrey. Well, I think the question of, of workload is an interesting one because how much work did we expect him to get? I mean, we knew he was going to be a big part of this offense, right? So Rivera said that he that his ideal carry split is 18 for uh, Stewart and 18 for McCaffrey. I'm sorry, touch split. Right. And McCaffrey, if you take away the punt returns had 18 touches on the nose. So, so just like he wanted. Exactly. So if that's what Rivera wants, then I hate to keep saying it, but it is what it is. I mean, that's how many touches he's going to get. He's uh there are going to be times sometimes when he's going to get more obviously when he's more when he's open, when the scheme says that he's going to, but he's going to be on the field a lot. That's why they drafted him at the 8th pick, you know? When you draft a left tackle high and he starts and plays 100% of the snaps, nobody complains that you're overusing him, you know? Right. You want to get him you want to get him in the game. That's why he's on the field, that's why he's on the roster. So is there any thought to if you at the end of the game they had Stu what, seven straight times? Random like that, six or seven straight was, times. I think it was six, yeah. So if you deduct those carries from his total, which I think was 20, then Christian has more more touches, I guess, not not more carries in the in the running back position necessarily, but uh, without that grinding at the end of the game coming from Jay Stu, then is Christian used more than Stu? Is that a con- is that a concern or what's going on with I don't, that? I don't know whether that's a concern or whether that's just a function of playing against a Kyle Shanahan cover three defense. You know, in okay. a cover three, the safeties and the corners are going to drop, the linebackers are going to take up a an area further away from the field. So that area kind of right in the flats, that's right. that's open. So that's... And that's Christian. Exactly. That's going to be Christian. So there are going to be times when we play against a team that plays more of a Tampa 2 or, or a, you know, more of a man coverage scheme, and you're going to see a lot more Jonathan Stewart on the field. But the reality is is that you, you scheme for each opponent differently. And this opponent needed McCaffrey out on the field that much and we wanted him out on the field and by we I mean the Panthers because apparently I'm on the coaching staff now but uh (laughs) the Panthers wanted him out on the field that much and that's why he was out on the field so much when you when you say you're using him too much or he could get hurt in punt as a punt returner um the the kid is 21 years old like he could get hurt crossing the street he could get hurt stretching before practice it's Kelvin Benjamin tore his ACL trying to make a cut in training camp. Like, you can't put this kid in bubble wrap and never give him the ball. You give him the ball, he's going to get hit, and you hope he's going to be okay. It, it, yeah, it, it is what it is, you know? I mean, it's not I, – I wish I could stop saying it, 
and you're going to be so sick of me. We'll just get a John Fox drop and just we'll have, we'll have that next week, just a button we can push. But Absolutely. One thing you did say in there was, uh, you know, you, you addressed the punt return situation, and that's certainly a heated debate between all the fans, whether or not he should be back there returning those punts. What do you think about that? Uh, I think he's the best option to return a punt, right? So if you want to score a touchdown on every play, which you probably do, you put the guy out there that has the best opportunity to score a touchdown. So that is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, if that's... Demir Bird was better at returning punts, then I would say then Christian should not be returning those punts. But if McCaffrey is the best option, and I, I don't consider myself a better scout than Ron Rivera or you know McGahey or uh, or Wilkes, I I see what they see and. If they're putting him out there, that means they think he's the best option. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I, what are we saving him for? If we're not putting our Thank best you. player at each position and each opportunity to help the team succeed and score and win, what are we saving him for? So I loved him being out there. I mean, he, he there was one in the first half, I think it was, where he ran up, you know, where we were sitting in the end zone, or the, the Panthers sideline, I guess it was, and it looked like he it was just a, a shoestring tackle that he potentially could have gotten right through. Uh, um, yeah. But, I yeah, think, it, it was, was close. We got pretty pumped up there after watching that one. So. Uh, I think he's he is he feels like he's inches away from breaking a touchdown yeah. on every on 80% of his carries. And I think once he does, uh, will there be anybody left wanting him to not to take punt returns at that point? Well, so. at that point, you probably – yeah, exactly. It's like – Everybody wanted doesn't want him to have 18 touches, but if he scores a 60-yard touchdown on that 18th touch, then it feels pretty good. Yeah, know? and I think it's safe to say, too, his um, total return yards are probably has surpassed Ted Ginn in 2016, who just went horizontal That's, rather than towards the end zone, vertically that, towards the end zone. That sounds, like, that sounds very emotional, like Ted Ginn <laughs> broke your heart at some point. Uh, let's just quickly, we'll talk about the defense. I mean, any time that you can give up, three points to a game it doesn't matter whether it's brian hoyer and uh and the san francisco offense that's very young anytime you can hold another team to three points you're gonna win that game i mean the fewest amount of points on opening day for the panthers as well that sounds to me like a fun fact it was (laughs) very fun uh star stood out for me yeah i thought star was an absolute animal yeah he he really it's funny he had uh I think it was two tackles, a half sack, and a fumble recovery, which is basically like the most filled up a stat sheet has been from Star in a really long time. But the reality is, is that Thomas Davis, Shaq Thompson, Shaq Luke Keekley, real quick to me. These guys are getting sacks because Star is taking up a double team, exactly. or Star is pushing somebody into the backfield. When you see somebody make a tackle for loss, it's probably because Star dominated his matchup, and he basically he ate. Uh, Kilgore and Beatles and and anyone that they put in front of him, he just made them look silly and uh, and he was a big reason why the the defense did what they did. So, what about the uh, the secondary? I know we had both guys go out um, get IVs at one point at the same time, which is yeah. a little little frightening, right? No matter no matter what seat you're seeing that from, that's a little bit frightening. Um, you know, to to be fair, it was almost a hundred degrees out there. It was miserably hot um you know i was dumping water on my head the entire game beers down my throat water on my head was kind of the cycle that i had going on the name of your country album (laughs) and uh you know how did those guys look out there uh i mean the secondary i thought did a nice job um i mean coleman and adams were out there a lot and i know that there's been a little bit of concern about adams and 
I wouldn't say that he looked like a shutdown safety, but the reality is is that uh, you don't need a shutdown safety. You know, there he can he can make plays back there. He can be a, a general, but he doesn't have that speed. He's thirty six years old. You know that he's not going to be able to keep up with Marcus Goodwin down the seam. Uh, he he is really the he was the weakest link out of the secondary. But I, I mean, overall, I, they were fantastic. I mean. Hoyard could not, couldn't get comfortable, and you know who that starts with is our friend Star Latulule, who was all over him in the backfield. But it's like the, um, the, the offense just could not get going. Yeah, but there were there were two pretty big drops, um, on Goodwin. Yeah, right, uh, right over Bradbury. Blew, where he blew right by Bradbury. Right. Yeah. One, one we saw right. The I guess it was the first one, and and as soon as Hoyer let go, you could tell. You know, Bradbury was beat. It was obvious that he yeah. was beat, and as the ball's sailing through, you know, thirty, forty yards in the air, dropped right through his hands. That's a game changer, though. So that Absolutely. that happened. I mean, that happened twice. Are we concerned about that? I mean, I know yeah. Bradbury was running the nines all uh, all game to try to keep up with them, but right, yeah, it's a uh, it, yeah, it's concerning, but you're not going to. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. It's concerning when when a guy gets beat twice, when your number one cornerback gets beat down the down the field and uh and you know it's a good thing for the panthers that goodwin didn't catch that i mean that's <laughs> that's pretty much all you could say right because if he if he catches those two balls it's a whole different game obviously but you know that if he catches that first one the game is completely different it's seven nothing then you're asking cam to do different things than what he was actually doing but Unfortunately, or fortunately for us, this sounds like we're talking in hypotheticals. Sure. And on it is what it is. We don't. We only talk about <laughs> what, what it is, it is which is it. Right. <laughs> that's how the that's how the that's how the title goes. So uh, another thing that was really awesome with all the fourth down stops. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and you, we we were talking before the show off air. You told me um, a, a, a quote that uh, that CJ said after the game, and I know you know you were paraphrasing, but I'd, I'd love for you to tell everybody what he said and, and when you guys asked him about his feeling on yeah. them going forward on fourth down. I basically I try I tried to get I tried to ask all the defenders, all the guys on the line, especially how it you know how they react when they see the guys are coming out there for fourth down. And uh, Charles Johnson said that it's. It's a per- he takes it as a personal insult when the other team is going for it on fourth down. He said, if they're going for it on fourth down, they're basically telling you that they think that they are better than you and that they can that they can get it, that they could get that one yard. And when you turn them back, it's not only is it a momentum shift, but it makes them feel bad about themselves. And that's kind of, I mean, yeah. that's such a cool way to look at it of like, I mean, it's a real, it's such a football player mentality of like, such a chip on your shoulder, like, don't you, you come back out here, I'm, yeah, and, no, I agree. Yeah, no, Who do these great. guys think they are? Exactly. And the Panthers showed them, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like they go for it three times on fourth down. Uh, I want to say they only converted two third downs total, uh, and the fourth down conversion they did get didn't matter. The game was well in hand by that time. So, you know, the offense or the defense was fantastic at getting off the field, which is – So the question I'm hearing from the, the national media is – the Panthers' defense that good, or the 49ers led by Brian Hoyer that bad? Uh, I think it's a combination. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, that's 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 my thinking noise, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I do. I think it's a combination. It's uh, you know, the Panthers' defense is good. We knew the Panthers' defense was going to be a strength for them, especially that front seven. That defensive line is just, and and they're still without a piece. Vernon Butler didn't even play. Right. 
Kyle Love ran out of gas near the end of the game. They were Wes Horton was in there playing defensive tackle and picked up a, a strip sack. So it's like this defense, Wes Horton, who's the sixth defensive lineman, maybe he he's good. He good. So the this this defensive front is only going to get better as the season goes on. They can avoid injury. I mean, there there's no there's no reason why they can't be a top five defense. And on the San Francisco side, you know, there's no reason why they can't be a bottom five offense too. But Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he that that team is going to I read on Twitter, I apologize that I can't uh give somebody credit for this, but what they said was uh, San Francisco may not win a ton of games, but they're going to get a, let a lot of other teams beat themselves. Right. And I think that is that is true. That's a good statement. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco's front seven is is very impressive, and I thought that the Panthers' offensive line was uh, they did a great job. I mean, come on, Cam didn't get sacked the entire game. Like that's that's what you want. They ran the ball, however many times it was, twelve straight times to finish the game, and uh, like that is. That's what you want. If you can run the ball when the other team knows that you're going to run the ball, that's the, I mean that's the dream, sure. right? Yep, exactly. And if the Panthers can run the ball 30 times a game, I would think it's safe to say we'd be in a good position in, I, in most, if not all, of those games. I, I have a fun fact for you: Panthers are one and zero in 2017 when running the ball more than 30 times. Wow! Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's undefeated. I mean, that's, yeah, they can't lose. Recipe for success. Absolutely. Uh, I think that when you look at the offensive line, uh, a lot of people kind of worry about Matt Khalil, right? I mean, that's that's what everybody wants to talk about is is how Matt Khalil did, and Khalil was matched up against their their defensive ends are good in San Francisco. Don't let the the two and fourteen, don't let the thirty second against the run defense last year, don't let that fool you. They have a young defensive front line, and Solomon Thomas, uh, Tank Carradine, these guys are good. Elvis Doomerville was lined up that way, and Khalil held his own. I mean, there there are going to be. I'm sure that you are going to see a gif this week of Khalil getting beat, right? Sure. Because it's they played. They had 67 plays, and Khalil was out there for every single one of them. Hey, he's he's going to get beat a time or two. No, come on. <laughs> Not everybody believes that. Yeah, it's true, right? Uh, I I've got news for you. The best tackles in the league, they also get beat. Yeah, it happens, and we don't. We, the Panthers, the Panthers don't need uh, Khalil to be 100% unbeatable. They need him to be a top 10, top 15 tackle. They need him to not be terrible, right? Because the guards and the center are great. So if they can, you can rely on your interior offensive line. You can rely on Norwell. You can rely on... Uh, you can re- rely on Trey Turner. You can rely on Matt's brother. And the guys on the outside, they they need to be acceptable. They don't need to be all pro at that level. If they're all pro, then all the better. But they need to be acceptable. And certainly, if you can keep your guys upright and you can allow the Panthers to average, um, to average over four yards a carry, especially near the end of that game, well, they didn't average over four yards a carry. But... Uh, if you can let let your guys get over 150 yards rushing, especially near the end of the game when they know you're going to rush, when you can hold the ball for eight minutes and 48 seconds, that that's a win on right. the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about as far as San Francisco? Yeah, well, I mean, since we're going through the different positions, we can't leave out the most talked about 
team going into this game, the special teams. The, team the, that's the, most the special. two kickers. Oh, no. There's two kickers. What is Herney doing? Uh, it's the thing with the two kickers, right? Is uh, um, there's not. Yes, there are two kickers on the roster. Both of them were not active. The the 53rd guy on the roster is not making the biggest difference. Everybody, I think everybody wanted Arma, right? That's who they wanted on the roster. Sure. He wouldn't have been active on Sunday either. No. So when you put, whether it's Butker, whether it's Arma, they're still not getting a jersey on Sunday. So, yes, is it a little bit inane that they have two kickers? It's weird. It Yeah, nobody's saying that it's the cool. They're not going to line up both kickers. Now that, that, would, that be would be awesome if yeah. they lined up both kickers and then one was a lefty and one right. was a righty, and they didn't know which way the could pick- never block it, right? That'd be unbelievable. Now That's we're not seeing, happening. That right. isn't what it is. That though. is not what right. it, it's it not. Isn't. <laughs> That's too many. We'll work on that one. Too many isn'ts. Um, but yeah, the Graham Gano was perfect, right? So what else? What else do you want Gano to do? He kicked the ball out of the end zone on every kickoff. He he was blasting those kickoffs. He was blasting those kickoffs is a every every extra point or field goal opportunity looked like it was right down the middle there were no close ones at least from our seats yeah so, so and he had somebody looking over his shoulder even you know the inactive bucker looking over his shoulder so yeah i mean he it, did his job not to not to keep bringing it up but it is what it is until until he starts missing kicks or until they make a roster move it's not worth talking about the guy Agreed. graham gano is the kicker so Let's just move on from it. Yeah. I think the more important guy on special teams was Michael Polardi, who was as good as you can be as a punter. He was a field, literally a field position weapon. I, that was the guy that, that we thought Andy Lee was going to be this year. Right. Turns out it is Michael Polardi. He, uh, there was a reason in the locker room that Luke Keekley only wants to talk about Michael Polardi, and he did. Multiple, he said Michael Pilardi's name like three times in his post game interview. Like, wow, that's because. And when he, Luke's paying that much attention and recognizing, then you know this guy's doing his job correctly. Yeah, one of the things that you'll find about me and Zach a little bit less because uh, he's mostly drunk. Uh, I will, <laughs> I will, I will trust the players and the coaches' opinions a lot more than I'll trust my own. I'm not as good of a scout as Ron Rivera. I'm not as good of a scout as Luke Keekley, and I don't know as much about football as Michael Pilardi. So if if these guys are going to tell me, if Luke Keekley is going to say that Michael Pilardi played great, uh, Michael Pilardi played great. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know me, the, the fan in me, I've I'm, I'm been on Team Lee the entire time, like I said, just from a fan perspective. So it was harder for me to get over that cut, um, even though it's just the punter. But uh, I thought... Pilardi boomed it, man. Yeah, yeah. There was one well, specifically where I felt like he, he went from the five, the, the 10, uh, you know, inside the, the 10, the other direction. I mean, it was just, yeah. a, it was a booming punt. No, he was great. And I think that, uh, you know, that, that is kind of the easy reaction is to continually just be like, oh, Andy, I wish we still had Andy Lee. And it's like, well, it is what it is. Michael Pilardi's the punter. So when he, pl- when he punts good, let's give him the credit. Yeah. I mean, he deserves it. Let's look past last week, right? 23 to 3 win. They're undefeated 1 and 0. Let's look a little bit to next week, right? The, the Panthers North is coming in? Yeah, absolutely. And there are 30,000 fans that they're going to bring with them? Led by Joe Webb, right? That was the biggest signing of the offseason from what I read is <laughs> Joe Webb is going to be their new uh starting quarterback. No, uh the Buffalo the Buffalo team I think has a lot is 
pretty similar to San Francisco, right? Okay. There, they are a little bit of a young team. They're not used to winning. Right. Certainly not in the past few years. They are well coached by a new coach. Uh, Shanahan has his offensive special specialties. McDermott has his defensive specialties. Right. So you know that they're going to be uh, they're going to be very well coached. You know that they're going to be a l- very disciplined as opposed to San Francisco, I guess, wasn't very well disciplined. So that particular thing goes right up. Penalties, window, right? Yeah, a ton of penalties last week. Uh, but that comes with being young, I think. Uh, I think that the Bills are kind of trending upward. I like Sean McDermott a lot. I think that he is going to be a, a good coach going forward. I just am not sure where they are yet. They're still, they still have some things to learn about how to win. So after week one, and obviously we don't have a lot to go by, I mean, the Bills are going to try to run it at us, right? I mean, they've got LaShawn McCoy. I mean, yeah. Tolbert's their RB2. Tolbert got 12 carries yeah. on Sunday. Now, granted, it was against the Jets, so... And for three yards, though, right? <laughs> no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I love Mike That's a, uh That is a... Bad joke? No, uh, eh. kind of. With... All right, eh, next. They're going to be bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, Shady was... Shady McCoy was is always going to be the best part of that Buffalo Bills offense. Yeah, he is a transcendent talent. He is a top five running back, and you know he had 110 yards rushing against what everybody thought was going to be the strength of the Jets. Not that the Jets are are very good, but they you know everybody said, well, the Jets aren't going to be good, but at least their defensive their their run defense is always good. Yeah, and Shady just kind of ate them for breakfast, and he is he's good. Well, I think it's interesting the the comparisons that people made during the draft and even in the preseason of Christian McCaffrey to LaShawn McCoy, um, you know, size wise, uh, agility, the burst that they both have. You know, I, I feel like that was pretty accurate there. Yeah, I mean, that's a best case scenario, right? Is if you draft, I'll take that all day for yeah, sure. If if you're offering if you're offering Shady McCoy at the eight pick, I, I'll take it, and uh, and that is. Certainly uh, uh, fantastic, something that, that the Panthers need to worry about. But the good news for Carolina is that when you have an elusive running back like that, who who's going to stop them, right? It's going to be your safeties coming up, somebody like Kurt Coleman, who had a great game last week, and your linebackers are going to play a huge part. And luckily for the Panthers, they have probably the best linebackers in the NFL including the number one best linebacker or the best middle linebacker in the NFL. So when you when you talk about Shady, if they can keep their gap discipline, if the defensive line can can occupy their blockers, can take away lanes, I I feel like the the linebackers are going to be able to to get to their spots right. and, and make stops on McCoy. Sure. Um as far as like they they had a uh last week they did a bunch of tight end targeting right they, and that may have been again the problem with with uh trying to analyze week one is that it's just one week right so they threw it to their tight ends 11 times last week but is that because they were playing the jets and the jets aren't very good at defending the tight end or is that because that's going to be something that they focus on yeah I mean, you just don't know so all we can do is look at what they did last week and what they did in the preseason and kind of what what you think they're going to be going forward. And uh, and so if they do want to throw to their tight ends a lot, that's, that is kind of throwing into the Panthers' strength, right? So is that is that Shaq Thompson then that's going to be covering those tight ends, or is that more of a captain? I, 
I think it's Shaq, right? I mean, it depends on how many receivers they bring out there. If it's in a three-wide receiver set, you're looking at captain's going to be occupying that slot, and um, which will probably be, I guess, Jordan Matthews. Uh, and then you're looking at Shaq or even a Kurt Coleman, a Mike Adams, or a um, or you know Thomas Davis. Well, depending on how they blitz, right? So, you know, they 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 move everybody around so much. the The Panthers are running uh, more of a man now than they did last year last year i think they had a real i think that mcdermott had a real fear of putting bradbury and Worley on an island and i think that uh steve wilkes is not as scared to do that he's pretty aggressive in general um but he yeah i mean he he runs mcdermott and wilkes kind of run the same scheme right so if you like the panthers defense that's the defense that you're going to be seeing from the bills and they'll be it'll be an interesting kind of coaching matchup right because McDermott is so familiar with the Panthers and the Panthers are so familiar with McDermott like they they know his tendencies they know his defense so sure i think you're you're kind of looking at a at a defensive battle here especially with a banged up cam right. i mean and i think that if you expect to see i expect to see McCaffrey doing all the same things that he was doing last week you know i think that they they want to use him a little bit as a decoy. I think that maybe if they were doing last, what they were doing last week may have been, we were talking about this earlier, right? That that they may have been kind of bringing him out and running him in all these different positions and, and doing him, uh, giving him the ball so much to kind of prove and put it on tape to say, hey, these are all the different things that we can do with him. And now we're just going to give the ball to Jonathan Stewart 25 times and fake it to McCaffrey. Or just the, the fear of, of seeing the Panthers use him in, in so many different ways and having tape on that could potentially open up Greg Olson or Kelvin Benjamin because you can't double these guys if the Panthers are now showing, say, hey, we're going to use Christian all these different ways. We will do it. Well, that's kind of why you, that's why you make a move like drafting a Christian McCaffrey, right? So now you have to account for him on, on offense, and it's just another guy that you have to account for. So you have to account for McCaffrey. You have to account for Benjamin. You have to account for Olson. You have to account for Funches. You have to account for Samuel and Jonathan Stewart. Eventually, the the defense kind of runs runs out, and you hope that they make a mistake. Right? That's that's how you win on offense. Is it's a lot of offensive talent, but it also it helps when the defense makes a mistake. And when the defense makes a mistake, you have to pounce on it. You can't throw it way over Ed Dixon's head. Right. Which is which is uh, unfortunately what happened, but. You can we we as people that are watching the Panthers and covering the Panthers and, and hoping that they win, obviously Panther fans, Panthers Nation, if you will, will hope that uh we can that the Panthers will not make those kind of mistakes. So what about I'm sure we'll get a lot of attention coming back to Carolina, but what about the ECU boys, Zay Jones? I was I was big on Zay after the combine and uh and pre draft work. Yeah, he didn't get a ton of work um, against the Jets, but I think that they're going to work him in again. Young wide receiver, it's sure. a young team. They're they are their passing game is just. I, I I think a lot of people thought that they were tanking this season, right? When they traded away Sammy Watkins, they made all and those acquired moves all the and, players from a six and ten Panther team. Yeah, exactly, and just continually went out of their way to make these moves that look to be building towards the future. So when you say, oh, the Bills are one and oh, they could surprise some people like let's we'll pump the brakes a little bit and see how they look against uh against a talented Panthers defense. I think that um 
yeah, uh, I, I think that that this is going to be a good game, but I don't think I don't think you're going to look at anything differently this week than we did against San Francisco. So we're facing a different style quarterback. We the Panthers are facing a different style quarterback this week. Uh, Tyrod, right, versus what Hoyer does. I mean, he oh, seems yeah. to be obviously a little more mobile. I mean, not not that he's running, but he's certainly more elusive in the pocket than Brian Hoyer was. You know, sure. How's that going to affect the uh, the D line and their ability to get in there? Well, I think it uh, for the D line, it always is going to come down to discipline. Gap discipline is is the most important thing when you're a defensive lineman, and making sure that you are doing your job and not going for the glory and not saying. Oh well, I think that I can. I, the you want to push your quarterback towards other tacklers. You don't necessarily need to make the tackle yourself, and that's why I just can't say I'm going to talk about him so much this year. I'm so excited. Uh, Star, he does it all the time. All he does is is push, push. He gets his. The I think this is good, too, because obviously KK gets all the glory and the numbers, and people can say that on the surface. I think everybody knows that, right? Fans will say, oh, KK gets the sacks. Yep. Star doesn't. But what does that mean? And, then, you know, you were just starting down that road, but tell us more about what that means, why Star is important, what he does. I mean, uh, I think that's something that fans can certainly learn more about and understand when they're watching the D-line of exactly the impact that he is making. Sure. I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about blitzing or – or anything really as far as the line goes you're talking about gaps so in like in a four three um the the defensive linemen that are that are lined up are each matched up against their offensive tackles right or tackles guard center and you are going to create gaps right when when kk runs into a guard and pushes him to the left let's say that kk moves left and so the guard moves left to then guard him there's going to be a gap between the guard and the center. And that gap is either the A or the B gap. And you can send blitzers through there. But if KK is supposed to be pushing his guy left, but ends up pushing his guy to the right because he sees the quarterback going to the right and wants to make that stop, that he loses that gap, right? And then if somebody's trying to blitz through that gap, they're not going to get to the quarterback. Right. So one of the things, one of the reasons why these defensive tackles, you don't see them get the do that they get is because sometimes their job is literally just to get blocked by somebody. In the lane. Stay and, in the lane. And, and somebody, and sometimes their job is to get blocked by somebody and they still just run them over and get to the quarterback, which is what happened on that um, on that sack, which uh, where I think Peppers and Star shared that sack. Right. Uh, K1 Short just blew by his guard, and Star ra- literally ran over the center. And then so, Peppers came in and finished and, it off. Exactly. So it's a, that's kind of like a best-case scenario for the defensive line, right, is that they're trying to make blocks, and you just push your guy on the ground. That is something that you can you, you can see that happening. But so much of the time, you don't. Star will end the game with one tackle. But yeah. he takes up two blockers constantly. He is he is a, a space eater on the inside. So when you're when you're looking at a mobile quarterback like that, you have to make sure that you are disciplined in your lanes because if you start to say, Oh well here he comes, then that may that may just open up a lane two seconds later. And if that lane is open two seconds later, a guy like Tyra Taylor is gonna He's take gone. it. Yep. Yeah. Luckily the Panthers have a lot of uh that's that's one of the things that um their defensive line coach really focuses in on. And also they have practice going against the mobile quarterback in, sure. in practice yeah so that's the good news on that front uh it's 
it, the defensive line play is I, I'm I'm I geek out on it all the time because it's just really fun to watch because it 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 is you can see how the game is going based on who wins that battle up front. So it, it's bittersweet. Really, it's not because we want them to to excel and play great. But being a contract year and star immediately proving his worth, and hopefully he continues the whole season because that means we're probably winning the Panthers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's he's going to need to get paid. He's going to show how important he is, and love to love to keep him here. I'm so happy that you said that because for me the contract demands just don't mean anything. There's no point to talking about his contract and whether we're going to, whether the Panthers are going to re-sign him, what, what's going to happen because it is what it is. The Panthers are going to re-sign him or they're not. The Panthers are going to re-sign Andrew Norwell or they're not. Those guys, let's, let's hope that they play really well right. and deserve those contracts, but it is what it is. We're not going to be able to sign everybody so and i'm not interested in having them play that. poorly so that we have a better chance of signing I, i'm not interested in that either and i'm not, I'm not interested in in again the hypotheticals of whether or not oh well i would really like to re-sign him and oh matt khalil's contract he's dead money next year it doesn't it doesn't matter there's no reason to talk about that kind of stuff because it's not what it's not that's not what it is right so. It's not what it is, maybe. Uh, we can only talk about what's happening right in front of us. And when you look at the game and and football and what it comes down to, then that's that's what's important to me. So I Agreed. think that we should... Um, I feel like we've talked about last week's game. We've talked about this week's game. Uh, Zach, you're the ringleader of the ring, right? You love drinking beer and watching games right that's that's pretty much on your going to be on your gravestone in about a year uh what i don't know why i, that, just, I don't know why that, i just murdered you yeah i don't know if that was a compliment or anything i, I don't i it started out as a compliment and then it kind of got away from me there <laughs> and now i'm dead talking about your early death yeah but um six and ten seasons might actually contribute to that so <laughs> tell me a little bit about um what's uh what's happening this weekend last week Weekend sure. we're in San Francisco this weekend, Charlotte, North Carolina, Queen City. Back at home, uh, we do our, our tailgate with a purpose, and we um, we partner with the Cam Newton Foundation on that. This will be obviously the first one of the year, and we did a couple preseason ones, but those were just walkthroughs. Uh, we didn't put our best players out there, so no one would get injured. And, uh, and but, that's smart. Yeah, and so now we're we're ready to go, and I can tell you after this weekend there will be no rust. But uh, we're over off of Cedar Street, across from the practice fields. It's uh, a tailgate that's produced by our local chapter, the Queen City Riot, for all of our Roaring Riot members. Um, and it's a, a super great time. Super, super great time. Mm, super great. <laughs> but uh, this year we're really excited because we partnered with Cam's Foundation and created a project that's specific for the money that we're going to raise at the tailgate. And I can't reiterate this is enough. We throw this tailgate, obviously, because we want our members, Panther fans, coming out there having a good time, and we want to tailgate before the game. But it is 100% a charity fundraising opportunity for us. We don't make a dime off the tailgate. All the funds, all of them, will go to the foundation. So the project that we've actually selected this year is we've, we've partnered with the North Carolina Special Olympics organization. And uh, this year it's the 50th anniversary of the Special Olympic Games. And what that is is... It's kind of like the, the, the United States Olympics. Each state will bring the top 65 athletes who have um, achieved the gold medal in the state games that year 
bring them all collectively to um, Seattle where they will compete against each other. So we're actually going to uh, you know, help fund the North Carolina Special Olympic team, bring them out there. We're going to bring them out to the tailgate so you can meet their flag football team, their weightlifters, their basketball players. It's going to be awesome. And I'm very They're excited about it. The They're going to be coming out to some of the That's tailgates. Awesome. They select the team in October. They're going to come hang out and uh, you know, kind of tell us their story about their their uh, their athletics and how excited they are to go to Seattle. So happy to be a part of it. A lot of complaints about uh, your usage after this week. I would assume there'll be a lot of people will be saying they they had Zach at the tailgate too much, much like Christian McCaffrey was on the field too much. <laughs> well, the good like, news is I, I can just... do it, but I, I can uh, I can work the beer trailer. I, I'm Probably going to spend a little time on the grill, definitely the merch tent, and then I, I mean, after the beers, I'm going to be on on the ones and twos DJing, probably pay, playing our theme song that is a, to this that podcast. Is a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> when you can use somebody all over the field, that is absolutely fantastic. Next week, we're going to be back. Special guest, Charlotte Observer, Joe Person is going to be with us, uh, and. I'm really excited to not have to listen to just me or just Zach talk. We'll have somebody who actually knows what, knows they're, talking what they're talking about. about. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And some and some better things to say than what we just did. But hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, follow us on Twitter at our Riot Report. Uh, you can follow Zach at Roaring Riot Z. You can follow me personally at Josh Klein Rules. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on why did I say LinkedIn Tinder. first? We're not oh. Tinder. Tinder? Yeah, Tinder. Bumble. <laughs> What's the one? There's one where you can like cross paths with people. That's my favorite one. Uh, we're on all that stuff. It's social media. It's the world. It is what it uh, is. Can I rap this time, y'all? Can I do it, y'all? Uh, what? <laughs>